About 10 years ago, it finally dawned on me that I live in kind of a pop culture bubble. Of course, touring forces you to live in somewhat of a vacuum, far away from your surroundings where basic amenities start from zero on a daily basis. And beyond that, and aside from current world events, I live in my own world. It's a world that has heard of the Kardashian family, but has no idea why they're famous, or why words like YOLO, twerking, or honey boo boo, while holding the attention of the general populace, fail to hold mine. In my world, Sweet Leaf is the national anthem, Iggy Pop is king, and the only church I genuflect to is the Church of Misery. When I meet someone who hasn't heard of Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats, I look at them like one looks at someone who hasn't seen Star Wars. It's only now that I realize that I'm the crazy person, or as I'd like to think, the only sane person surrounded by idiots. I have my own star system I adhere to. It's not meant to be deliberately unusual. It's just where the chips fell. I'm not intentionally trying to be offbeat. There are many things that everyone likes that I like too. Pizza, for instance. It's delicious. Most people would agree. But when it comes to music, I seem to naturally deviate. This past summer, we toured America as part of the Traveling Uproar Festival. There were many great bands on the roster. Alice in Chains headlined, Jane's Addiction played, Coheed and Cambria, Duff McKagan's Walking Papers. And while everyone was fawning over the expected personalities, Jerry Cantrell, Perry Farrell, Dave Navarro, our camp was quietly in the corner, giddy as schoolboys, because Pete Stahl was on the tour as well. Pete Stahl is the singer of DC punk legends Scream. He also sang in Wool. He also sang in Goatsnake and Earthlings. And to me, most importantly, on our 2008 album, Never Too Loud, on the track Forest for the Trees. And that track also featured Vista Chino Kaya singer John Garcia. We hadn't seen Pete since that day at 606 Studios when he laid down vocals on our album, and it was most pleasant to finally meet up with him after all these years. Don't know how many people actually know, but Pete moonlights as tour manager for several notable bands. On the Uproar Festival, he was tour managing Coheed and Cambria. As far as we were concerned, and even though it didn't say it on the marquee and he wasn't playing, he was the main stage headliner in our eyes. So, knowing that we'd be spending over a month together on tour, naturally I asked him to be on the podcast, to which he graciously agreed. Again, as with all the episodes, I do little, if any, preparation. These are informal discussions with people I'm friends with and or admire. In this case, I used the podcast as an excuse to extract an hour of Pete's time so I could hang with the man. Selfish, I know, but it's what keeps me doing this. Moments like this entire episode. A big thank you to Blue Mike Microphones, Skull Candy Headphones, and to everyone who's left a comment on iTunes or SoundCloud. Please keep those comments coming. We, I, it's, it's great. It's good for the podcast. It's, I love to read them. Thank you very much. So, without further ado, Pete Stahl is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now.
Thanks for being here, Pete. This has been very anticipated. Um, <laughs> when we, you know, we took the tour and we saw Coheed on the on the the list, um, and then we got the itinerary for the tour, and your name was on there. There was uh, emails exchanged amongst us that you were here. So, you know, I was like, it took me like three days to finally see you. It's, it's hard the way they've got it all set up. Yeah. But uh, it's like you say in two worlds. Like, yeah. Yeah. When you came over on our bus, it's like another it's like a little village. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I kind of uh, sprung myself on you the first time on this tour, but I was like, we kind of staked you out. So no, I was, I, to admit I, was, I was stoked to see you guys run the bill. That's for sure. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, it was great that you were you were on the bill. Now, um, like you're tour managing Coheed on this. Yeah, I've been tour managing them for a number of years now. Actually, it's kind of what I do to make a living these days, working for other bands and and um, you know I've been fortunate who I work for. And Coheed's one of those bands where it's they're easy, you know, good good dudes. Um, and so it's really it's uh, when you came down to 606 you were in the middle of kind of figuring out some Sparta stuff too so yeah I worked with that band um, at that time I may have been still working for their management company but yeah I worked with Sparta as a production manager so is it the same company is with Coheed it was at that time okay and actually um, but now Sparta kind of manages themselves but I you know, I'll still hear from from Jim or Tony or those guys. They'll hit me up with a question, and you know, I'm just always down for helping them out. You know, and we share crew sometimes. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a like a um, a close knit. I can I can make the degrees. I can connect the dots with you guys because we were at six oh six with with Nick Raskolinix, who had just finished producing a Coheed record, and then you came in and he brought you in because of the goat snake connection and mm-hmm. and we were at 606 because of the obvious connection mm-hmm. so so there's all this there's is, is am i connecting the dots incorrectly or is no, it just coincidence I, think, I mean or? i mean you know you know as well as i do how small the music musician community is and mm-hmm. it's wherever you step into it you're probably gonna run into somebody that's related to you in some way yeah um and you know, Nick Raskolinix, I met um, just kind of random, though he's from Knoxville, Tennessee, which is a town that Scream used to go down and play a lot. It's only about seven or eight hour drive. It's a good college town. There's some good bars there. Some, some, there was some cool old punk bands from there. And yeah, that had a, it had a good scene. Yeah. I remember. Knoxville. And, uh, Ended up playing with Greg Rogers, a drummer from The Obsessed and also Goat Snake. Um, he's from Knoxville, and, and Nick knew who he was, but you know, it's always about generations. Greg was a little bit older, and then Greg also was in a band. You see, like everything's tied together. Like yeah. I, before I knew Greg was in a band, he ended up somehow being in a band from Texas called Poison 13. I don't know if you remember that band. No, but it's... And Chris this... Gates was in Poison 13, I believe, who was in also... He was in the Big Boys, who was a band that... From Austin that... Like, when we came through town, they put us up, and that was, you know, there um, that was in, the, like, early 80s. But everything's oh, connected. Or just, like, even, like, the first day I was on this tour, you know, we were in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And um, 
our dressing room is right next to Walking Papers, and Duff McKagan was right there. And I've never really talked to him before, but he's from Seattle. That band's from Seattle. And um, bass player Wool, Al Block, and him were, were, were friends. And they, like, he, he recorded, he had another band. Duff McKagan had a band before this called Loaded, I think. Yeah, and, yeah, he still does. Okay, that band was cool. And actually, the bass player from Goat Snake played in that band, which I didn't even bring up to him. Stuart Dahlquist played with him for a bit. But oh, like, wow. anyway, so I saw him looking at my production case, and he's such a super nice guy. And I just said, hey, my name's Pete Stahl. I'm friends with Al Block. He's like, oh, wow. And then we started talking, and and then he started, I was like, yeah, I know. He said something like, Al Block, he's like old school Seattle punk, and he's like, you've he said, like, yeah, we used to have such a best scene in Seattle, like, early 80s. I'm like, no, I remember, man. I played in a band called Scream. He's like, you were in Scream? Dude, I opened up for your band in Metropolis. I was in 10-Minute Warning. I'm like, no fucking way. It's like, <laughs> yeah. so it's, that's how it is. It's like, there's Duff McKay from Guns N' Roses. So, yeah. And it's just, everything is fucking connected. Yeah, he knows Al Block. He, you know, his band opened up for us. I remember that show like, like it was yesterday, practically. is such a important show for us and and he's right Seattle was a lot lot of people don't know that before like early 80s it had a really happening all ages punk rock scene that you know there was um and then when the all ages scene uh got shut down by the city it kind of um went way underground kind of fell apart and then kind of you know was obviously revitalized with a massive scene that happened later on with with um you know Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Right, Allison Chains. Right, yeah. Well, we also have a, con- a past connection. I mentioned it to you at six oh six. I don't know if you remember, but my old old band, Horshack, we opened up for Wool at Sneaky D's in Toronto. Okay, it was you and I think you're on tour. Wool was on tour with Guzzard. That yeah, happen? that's right from yeah. Minneapolis. So it was Guzzard and Wool. I have the post show posters somewhere. And I think it turned out to be our last show as a band. Oh man, we, we were uh, we were booked for for to open up for the Unsane, and then we broke up before that could happen. But uh, we, yeah, we opened up for you guys. What was that band like? Horshack was like um, I remember the name Jesus Lizard. Uh, were you playing bass? Yes, uh-huh. I was singing and playing bass. Jesus Lizard, Unsane. It was that's why they booked us. They asked us to open, but yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, that kind of that kind of touch and go vibe cool in the mid 90s and i i think i i remember the booker at that club lou and uh when i saw that you guys were coming i i asked if i could nice. i could open up we could open up for you because I, th- I think you were touring on box set that would have been well or yeah, bud spawn it might have been bud spawn was the first one who was drumming you remember i know Pete or I, cannot, Chris I cannot remember really that band was I just remember you were wearing a long-sleeved white shirt. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's my memory of, of that. I didn't have a wardrobe case, but I definitely tried to be stylish at that time. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't even know if I went up to you. Oh, I was probably too intimidated. Oh, man, it's But, uh, yeah, so we, we used to love, I always loved playing in Toronto, just like Knoxville, nine hours away from D.C., Right. Yeah. whatever. We used to go up there and play a lot with Scream and, and Wool. That's for sure. And when in we back started- Toronto, we played the Opera House, opening up for. Uh, at what we did one tour, a national tour with it was us, Rage Against the Machine, and House of Pain. It was a crazy tour. Man. Oh, I you know we what I remember that. Yeah, that, yeah, that was 
fucking awesome show. Love playing at that venue. I think that's the only time I ever got a chance to play there, though. I think I did a gig there later on, you know, working with the Food Fighters. Um, but Toronto, man, had some crazy shows there, you know. Um, I remember we played, Scream played the Anarchist Festival there um, with uh, MDC. Oh, wow. And, um, <laughs> wow. We used to play Lee's Palace a lot in the the Rev, the Rivoli. The Rivoli, yeah. 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 We played Both Rivoli. places are still running with shows all the time. I'll tell you a crazy story about the Rivoli. Um, and I have I have footage of it at home somewhere. On, I have it on a VHS because I shot it. But we were playing there at night. And uh, so they told us we had to come in early in the day to do a sound check because Iggy Pop was doing a showcase that night. At the, at the Riv, uh, and he was just playing by himself, acoustic guitar, and it was on the Brick by Brick tour. Wow. And so we went there like 10 o'clock in the morning, did our sound check, and then they made us leave the club. So we're just sitting in the in the van behind the club, and then all of a sudden um, the, the limo pulls up, and he gets out and he goes in there, and then they start setting up um, for the show. And then like, I guess, I don't know, 40 minutes later, this, this guy comes out and says, Is, you know, anyone in here play drums or, you know, bass and, and and Dave and Dave and Skeet were in there so they're like yeah we so they go in there and they start jamming with him and they start running through I want to be your dog in 1969 and all these songs wow and then they're like well we you know he asked them if they wanted to do this show with him and they say fuck yeah so but you got to let the rest of our band in because they wouldn't let us in he's like so yeah. yeah of course so that me and Franz go in there and you remember that dressing room back there yeah it's totally. really fucking tiny yeah I've, I've, and, I've, yeah. and and um and Iggy Pop was just hanging out in there the whole time wow. with us, and he was just like, he was like, I hate this shit, you know, and it, doing these kind of things because people, I, literally, they they were serving sushi out there, and it was just, you know, they put all the, the posters everywhere. Oh, like and, record company. And it was all like invite thing? owner. Yeah, right, right. that's what it was. And yeah. then they all came in there, and then uh, sounds like Toronto. They wouldn't let any pictures, but I, you know, they so they 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 ran through that set of all those great songs, and I just. Dave Grohl on drums, Skeeter Thompson on bass, and Iggy Pop on guitar and singing, and I I got it on film. Wow. Some of it. I got a couple of songs on film, and so that was like, that's one Have you heard story. from Dave about that? Like, has Dave ever, obviously... We've, we, I mean, we, we, at the time, it was like... Um, I think it may, uh, I think it later on it may have made it on the news in Toronto, like somehow, like when Nirvana came through there. Right. They, he interviewed, and they, he may have told that story, but... Um, I think for some reason I recall that I've never even heard of I never even heard that that should that should be like stuff of like city legend <laughs> it should be because it definitely happened but maybe because it was like an invite only yeah. thing uh, that nobody a lot of people didn't know about it but yeah. it definitely happened right it was a highlight for us and, 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 and just to imagine. be there and meet Iggy Pop and then those guys got to play with him and I should put that up on YouTube someday. I gotta, I gotta dig it up. But Toronto, man, yeah, it's like, it's such a great scene. Bunch of fucking goofs and still around. They right? made, they yeah. Someone did a book on them, like a hard really? copy coffee table book, on their whole history. And Jill Heath. Oh, I know they, Jill. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. She's so great. She's so cool. Yeah, I think didn't didn't Scream put her in 
a thank you oh, album. Definitely, yeah. she helped us out a lot. I remember that. And um, I'm like, wow, all the bands thank Jill. <laughs> Jill's so down with everyone. And then actually, recently, one thing you probably don't know, a lot of people don't know that that label Dine Alone out of Toronto. Yes, Joel. Yeah, they yep. they just put out a couple wool records. What? Yep, vinyl only, and it, I haven't even. I didn't even get a copy because I think the copies went to my brother's house. I still haven't gotten a copy, but it's like two records of unreleased stuff that we did as a demos for a record that we just kind of fell apart before um, we we didn't never came about. But it's like seventeen songs on two records, killer stuff. A lot of songs, most a lot of songs I wrote because Franz was kind of wasn't coming up with as much material as normal and me it was just me and the drummer working it out but we recorded the stuff and and Joel put it out and um, the packaging's beautiful I have seen that well like, we're friends on Facebook I'm calling them out on this podcast yeah <laughs> there you this go this is crazy you gotta get well what am I saying you were on our album and I'm only I got it right here <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's only like five years late but, uh, Has it already been five years? Yeah, man. This this because you out, that that you have another record that came out recently. That, that or how many records have you put out? Two since then? records since. Okay, well that's good. And, and, Glad and, you're productive. Yeah, this came out uh, in '08, and uh, I can't okay, believe so it was that long. And now that's too bad. You have to go back there and record on the Sound City console. That's right, because yeah, that was Sound City was still happening uh, yeah, when we were that there. Console, though I know you worked with. Uh, well, Lou was probably Lou was there. Lou engineered it, yeah. and it was Nick. And so and Lou, Lou's kind of taken over, like right, you know, kind of filled Nick's shoes. Because Nick's back at in uh, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, he moved back down. Although there. I know he's done other projects with other bands in other cities. Allison Chains. I mean, he did. Oh, he did. He did the new album. He did the last two records, dude. Man, I'm so out of it. I didn't. Can know. you believe that? Wow, that's. So I met Nick Raskalenix. He was working at Sound City, putting tape on machines for ten bucks an hour. I swear to God. And and now he's like one of the most sought after producers in the world. Yeah. Um. You know, he's funny I mean, as he, hell he, too. He's done Rush's last two records, right? That I know. You okay. Toronto. I mean, yeah. I know that. I mean, that's for sure. You know. And we we did our that album on Neil one of Neil Peart's uh, kits. Oh, really? Because he, he Neil Peart, he liked music. Yeah, he, he gave it to. Yeah, me. so yeah, Nick. I mean, it's just amazing. And so now Lou, I get Nick really. I showed him the ropes, and he's almost like a little little Nick, you know. But I mean, a grown man, of course. But he he did our last record, Scream. We did a record already two years ago. We put it out on Side One Dummy. It's part of this Complete Control Sessions thing which is like kind of like the whole concept is to record the band live in the studio, which is good because that way you can do it cheap. And we didn't, and because of the, you know, I hardly have any time for music, unfortunately, and everyone's spread apart. You know, we had to come in there and record the record in a couple of days when those guys were out on the West Coast, we were playing shows. But Lou did that record and... Um, well, that record, we heard one, well, I didn't hear it, but Matthias, our tour manager, he pointed it out the other night, we were watching Ted. There's a song on in Ted and screams that. on the yeah, yeah get the free. Sound. yeah he was like wait a minute and he went to, he went into his pod and he 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 matched it up yeah he recognized it so he's like you gotta ask Pete that you gotta ask Pete about that yeah and that's pretty cool that was neat um, it's the new thing now man.
Well, I mean, it wasn't a movie. It was our album, but we got you on board through Nick Raskolinix. Right. And it, um, on Forest for the Trees. Cool. And singing, I know you, singing, singing with Johnny is... Yeah, and, and didn't didn't Wool do a split with Caius back we did. in the day? We did. When we, we did. Um... But yeah, we did a split with Caius on Bongload Records, I think, and... Uh, it's a good record yeah because when you when you um we had john because john was on our album previously so it was easy to call him up and he would come down i could say he i think i mean i was um flattered you guys asked me to be on that on your record but uh johnny's his like he's a rock dude man (laughs) yeah really like classic rock singer yeah you know what i mean so for me it's like i think his voice really fits your music his favorite (laughs) singer is ian asper there you go and I could who, see the influence. who also records it has recorded at the Rancho a bunch actually. Oh really? Yeah, because um, in fact, Chris Goss did the last Cult record. I didn't know that either. Yeah, um, he's I'll done a bunch hear of that. He, now. Ian Ian has done a bunch of stuff with Chris. Um, That's a so great match. So look through his catalog recently, and yeah, he's been out to the Rancho. He's recorded there, um, and. There's another guy, Ed Monsef, that's a great engineer that just got, um, he just moved out of, he was in North Hollywood and had a studio there. I know they tracked a bunch of the, the last cult record there with Chris, with Chris, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because we, we had John on board for that track. And like I said, well, I guess I could go back and forth with John, but it would be cool if we can get like a third voice on there. And Nick would would lob all over these names at me, and I'd be like, "Oh, yeah, that's cool, I guess." And then he threw your name out, and I was just like, "I was like, what?" <laughs> I was just like, "What? You could what?" And uh, and then you know, Nick was obviously after he saw my reaction, he was playing. I know he was playing it off cool. He was like, "Yeah, man, I can work with him before I can give him a call for, for sure." And so when you came down, it was like. It was a big deal. Like, I, like it was kind of like, you know, uh, we were all, I was all just trying to play a super cool, hey, man. Yeah, I'm just as nervous good. as anybody else yeah. coming into I think a situation you, like you that. You were saying, like, yeah, because we didn't know each other, and you didn't even know what you were walking into. Not it really. could have been, like, a pop radio song or something. But um, I, I was pretty confident that it, the, that particular part, that song, would, would I could hear your voice. We could all hear it. But what you didn't see, because you had your back to us, it was me and Nick, and we were just every t- every time every take you were doing, we were just looking at each other, going, "Yeah, yeah, we're doing all this." It was awesome. And then and then Nick would just like go back to you and go, "Oh, that was cool. Um, you want to try it again?" And then you do it again, and we're like, "Because you had your back to us, you didn't see." Um, and then and then when it was all said and done, and in we heard the track with the two voices and 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 then I was I would come in there I was like fuck this is a reunion this is like the that 10 inch reunion again this is fucking that rah. <laughs> so so that I mean that remains one of my favorite favorite songs in our catalog just from being a fanboy the fact that I was able to like get the both of you on a track of ours and then I I come in off the side and just like you know, like sing. It was fu- It was so fucking great. Awesome. And uh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, it was super cool. I and um, when I when I saw- just give me a copy of the record. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I hope you like it. I, I have you- heard it. Come oh, on. you have heard yes, it. Yes, okay, I have. Okay. Is it like off YouTube or something? 
No, I don't know where I heard it. Or maybe from Nick or maybe someone, Nick or Lou or yeah, yeah. Because I I I I, t- I think I I um I emailed you afterwards, but you know things get lost. And then we played the Viper Room, and I I I spoke to someone on staff there. And yeah, I worked there occasionally, but not yeah. anymore. Yeah, because I think that night after you're getting in your car and you're like, yeah, come on down tomorrow. I'm working the Viper Room. And then I, I think I went back God, into the studio. I'm like, ago. Pete Stahl just invited me to the Viper Room, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, we got to stay here. We got to do... Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, you're right. And I... Listen, they were asking if I was going to even bring it up to you because I feel like a goof. But... Um, <laughs> what? I have a jean jacket. We were at Hellfest this year. Uh-huh. And you know how they have the metal market and they have all the the CDs and the t-shirts and all that stuff great festival well I didn't know I hadn't gotten the uproar tour itinerary but we got a I got a go, we, me and Matias we both got goat snake patches and I got it sewn on my jean jacket no shit I've got the jean jacket Damn. here and I and, um, yeah so I've, yeah so uh, I didn't get it sewn on because I knew you were on the uh, the tour it, it happened after uh, I found it afterwards but yeah I'm walking around with a goat snake patch when it was when we were on the east coast when it was a little colder and rainy right right but, cool uh, yeah. that, and, and not to interrupt you but there's another that connection which i just want to bring out real quick since ron uproar is is the singer in in allison chains was in blast for a minute yes which is another band we both know about and, yeah you know santa cruz great punk band and our guitar player the guitar player in Goatsnake has a great fucking label called Southern Lord which everyone should check out yeah and uh, he just reissued the blast stuff and he went back he went to 606 I didn't know that and they um, it just came out last week I seen oh, I okay. seen Will tweet about it because Will's on this record they remastered it or remixed it I haven't heard it yet but um, you know the singer from Allison Change is on that record he's an old old school punker but uh, yeah, so it's, it's all connected. And you're you're on. You did something with Sun O recently. Um, no, that's just a. Re- that's something that just got re-released. I, I, I sang on a Sun O record years ago, and um, then some British uh, um, guy that I'm not familiar with, but I guess he's you know really um, well-known noise like kind of producer or artist just remixed it and did a complete different remix of the original Sun O stuff. Originally, you'd listen to the Sun O stuff and now I'd just be like way in the background right. and you wouldn't even barely hear me. This guy did the complete opposite where the vocals way out front. It's kind of cool treatment that he did of it. I um, haven't so heard it. It's Is pretty it neat. lyrics? Are there lyrics or are you just screaming? <laughs> no, there's there's lyrics. Wow, um, okay. Yeah, check it out. It's cool. Um, but yeah, Sun O is... Um, I... Um, you know, Goat Snake and Sun are kind of some of the same guys. And yeah. Um, are, is Goat Snake doing anything anymore? We keep talking about it. Yeah, we played, last time we played, I guess would have been Hellfest or in Europe um, a couple of years ago. And I would suggest you do only because of the amount of Goat Snake merch I see f- people wearing. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Myself I, excluded. I would I mean, like to, believe me. And our guitar player is so busy with Sun is really does a lot of touring and he keeps popping out kids and with his wife and so you know family gets in the way of that yeah. and our, our drummer has his children and and so man if it was up to me you know I'd rather be playing shows than out here tour managing believe yeah. me 
So if we had an opportunity to go to Europe and do a tour, hopefully next summer, you know, hopefully, but really I would prefer to record something new before we go play, but I, and I think we probably will at some point. That's awesome news. I mean, I think there's a hell of a lot of people who would love to hear new Goat Snake. Myself included. Thank you. Take myself and Matthias out of the picture. I think there's just so... I'm just like, are, is, are the guys getting a cut of this amount of merch I keep seeing? Like, everybody's wearing Goat wow. Snake shirts and... I don't know. Well, I just if they buy it through Southern Lord, yes, but you never know about that stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, Greg's pretty good about it, but I'm sure there's... Like, I, I have noticed that Goat Snake is, you know... I I'll see bet stuff. you I'll bet you five bucks that the patch I got... Mm. There's we you didn't get a penny patches so yeah I'll have to thanks for letting me know about that <laughs> well that's good that you don't have any goat snake patches because if you did then I'd be a filthy boot, <laughs> bootlegging <laughs> supporter. And, and also I know I thanked you five years ago. Um, but I want to do it on the record. Thank you for singing on our album, man. Anytime, man. If you come up with some another part, man, just give me a holler, especially if you're in the area. This is <laughs> on on the record, man. <laughs> I got you. But thank you, man. Thanks, sure. You should come out to the rancho. That's what I, I tell everybody. You yeah, know, I'm, I know. I'm that guy that ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to turn my friends on to cool music and, and what I was listening to. And then the same when I landed in LA, crash landed in Los Angeles, and I was fortunate enough to somehow fall into meeting, you know, the people from that studio and, and people that live out there and start collaborating with and touring with, with Caius and, and all those guys. And um, But that studio is just a really special place for me. And I know I always like you as a singer and a, and a, and a writer, you know, you, if you went out there, you'd, and Johnny probably tell you the same thing. He has. So I like, you, so we always want to drag. Brant, I'm Brant's always trying to drag everything. people out there. Yeah. Are you crazy? I'm not going out to the drive two and a half hours to go out to the desert. Yeah. I think Barrett told me that. Once you get Brant. it, Barrett's the same. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have problems coming into the states and playing? No, because we go through the the proper channels and we pay. What's a do? I'm sure you must be aware of that recent new law in Canada. Yeah, it's bullshit. It just I guess it took effect the end of July, which it, of course it does it's always kind of been bullshit. I don't know why. It's just what it is is they just raise the price, but it's always been bullshit that the big tours have don't have to pay those fees and yeah. it's always like non-exempt venues, but you know, Scream always had to had to get the promoters to like put up the money for the work permit. And then he'd spread it across several promoters across the country, and all the promoters would pitch in like 200 bucks or whatever from their show cost to pay for the work permit. I'd pay for it at the border, then I'd get reimbursed. And then, you know, that's what you had to do. But then any, any, anybody with a, over 12 people, I think it originally was, I don't remember, but anyone in a tour bus didn't have to pay these little fees, even though they're the ones that can afford it. It's it's and aimed so, at mid-level to grassroots bands who don't have enough money, and it's it's made, these laws and regulations are made by people who have no idea how it is to, to be in a band and make yeah. music. It's sad. At the end of the day, the grassroots bands who don't have the means to, to get this, or they don't, they're just not at that level yet, but they're amazing, we'll never see them in Canada, because... Right. They're just not going to bother. 
Now, how about your mayor, man? Is he still smoking crack? Yeah. Oh, you heard? The, did, I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, uh, the newest one was he was out on some kind of street festival, and the someone tapas? Had, had a phone. No, had a phone and and recorded him going. Um, I could I could get some blow. Let's go get some blow. And uh, they and I don't know how he's able. He's still in. He's still in office. Dude, I come from a town where our mayor got busted that, smoking crack. Yeah, totally. And got reelected. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he's still on the city council. Yeah, yeah. So, he's an icon in our city. <laughs> well, he, his name gets brought up all the time. So it's our two our two cities. But I mean, it's just getting to a ridiculous point now. And I I've gone on record saying, well, we deserve him. Because we elected him, he hasn't changed his stance. He's still the same guy. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He didn't pull some trick on us. This is the guy that we all, we all elected. We all. Well, I didn't vote for him, but you know, the majority of us voted for him, and now this is our punishment. Right. <laughs> to be the laughing stock of of the continent. So, yeah, DC. We we t- we've now <laughs> taken your crown. Man. <laughs> um, um, but uh, I'm, I love Toronto. There's a lot of construction. Yeah, I love Toronto too. I, I love it. I mean, I like DC, but I, I love Toronto. We spent a lot of time in DC actually. In the early days, we would we would stay at uh, Ian Savonius's place, mm-hmm. and we'd hang out with Ian. And um, uh, I missed else? him. He's been through. He was just in LA. Like, I want to say it was almost like a book tour. Yes, know. he put out a book. Which I still have to get on the dude from Girls Against Boys has his his book book label his book imprint or whatever. Who? And Ian uh, um, Johnny, Johnny Tempo? Yeah, Johnny yeah. Tempo. Yeah, uh, I can't remember the name, but he he, he I, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Ian's in Ian's in our book. Yeah, which I, I'm going to give you. But awesome. uh, I think it's because the makeup reunited. Okay. I recently think I, I for think Coachella. I, they did play Coachella. He's he's such a character. I mean, I've. I'd, I've never met anyone like him before, when I met him and ever since. I've just never met anyone like Ian Savonius. He's like, <laughs> I remember this one time we were at his house and he, I think he was, he was, he was rooming with Michelle May mm-hmm. and I think Allison Wolf from um, Bratmobile or mm-hmm. someone was, anyways. Allison lives in LA now. Yes, and she's in the book too. Okay, um, yeah. yeah. She's supposed we, to come out to our LA show like two two shows ago, but we DJ together sometime. She's great too. Yeah, and uh, uh, this is in '98, so this isn't recent. But uh, we had a fight in their living room. Our band had a band fight in their living room, and it was the other two guys who were fighting, and I was kind of the mediator, and. Um, it was embarrassing because we were doing it in front of people, but he was awesome. He was just like it was just me and him off to the side. He's like, "You guys fighting?" And he was like, "I think I'll, my memory is like he was like half dancing and he was loving it because you know." And he's like, "Oh, we fight all the time, man. So it's all right. It's just, yeah." <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, "Is my band breaking up?" Like I was just like, "What is going on?" And we're doing it in public, you know. And he loved it. He was just like loving it. That's what I, I remember that of Ian. He was like half dancing. He's got this kind of like Prince Snake vibe, you know, like, <laughs> and he's doing that kind of thing. It was awesome. But, um, but yeah, I mean, our our memories of DC. We played Cold Rice, and makeup had this 
album called Live at Cold Rice, which was just their DJ night mm-hmm. in their in their neighborhood yeah, yeah. club, and we played it. We played the cold like Live at Cold Rice. Danko Jones, Danko Jones, okay. Live at Cold Rice, and it was just for us like we worshipped that record, and then suddenly like. The band who we like really loved is now taking us in, and it was just that was a, those old, those back in '98 and '99. It was those were like another life, but it was just like it was something. It was surreal when I look back on it, but yeah, that was cool. Funny how I bring you on the podcast, and we end up just talking about DC. Hey, there you go. Hey. That's like if you had a podcast. And I was guesting on it, and we're talking about Rush. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks, Pete. Thank you for for doing this. Thanks for having me. Cheers.